In today's episode of Trouble with the Snap, we will be recapping very entertaining week 11 before discussing Zach Arnett's firing in Mississippi State. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State's Dalen Watts takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Trouble with the Snap. I'm your host, Colton Deutsch, joined as always by my coachless colleague in College Station, Will Shemansky. Will, how's it going? I'm doing well, how about you, sir? Not too bad, I'm... I'm happy to be back on the podcast after our emergency episode, and I'm excited to just get back to our regular scheduled program. Absolutely. I am. I am as well. Um, you know, last night that was, you know, something we hadn't done before on the pod yet. Um, so it was, it was definitely fun to kind of call that emergency style Dave Portnoy-esque emergency press conference. Um, but, you know, I, I'm actually really glad to be back to our regular scheduled programming as well. How's everything going to College Station? I know midterms are, or sorry, finals are kind of fast approaching. Absolutely. Um, it's been going pretty well so far. Um, I have a really busy week, um, especially on Thursday. I have like 10 separate assignments due because like every single other teacher around America at the moment, um, with the semester coming to a close pretty soon, maybe, maybe it's just me and my luck, but I highly doubt it. Um, I have like my professors are just cramming so much assignments into like these final week or, like week or two before before finals, um, and so it's it's not fun. But um, you know, as, aside from aside from all that, it, it, uh, College Station itself's been great. Um, yeah, we're just chilling. How about yourself? How's Austin? It's not too bad. I'm getting uh, kind of worried for the upcoming game week but that's kind of what i always do but it's pretty good weather's actually nice we're getting to the point where it's it's cold but it's not too cold mm-hmm. but uh it's definitely like kind of weird that it gets dark so early no absolutely i mean it's weird because um i'm still like personally adjusting to this time change meaning that um when i wake up i still wake up um I like my old schedule where I, I, I wake up like an hour or two before my alarm goes off every morning, and it just sucks. I mean, I know we have the same ringtone, though. We do. Friday Night same Lights. Same alarm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Friday Night Lights theme song. Of course. I did change it, though, actually. I had to record it myself because the original one I had, the bass was really loud, and I would like it would like jolt me every time I was. Would... So you had like the Friday Night Lights like club remix? I think so. Okay. <laughs> It was a, uh, it was a lot. I can imagine. I mean, that that intro is already, it's pretty loud to begin with, and if you throw in some bass boost, I mean, like, I'm surprised your phone didn't like shake off your nightstand. I'm surprised I didn't fall off my bed. It was, <laughs> it was extremely jarring. I can only imagine. Right. 
All right, you yes, want to? Yeah, let's talk ball. Uh, you want to lead us off like always? Yeah, we've got a big noon kickoff game there with Michigan defeating Penn State twenty-four to fifteen in Happy Valley. I just want to say, I mean, we have to mention that Jim Harbaugh is suspended for the remainder of the regular season. Um, I really don't like Michigan at all. I said early in the season when they did the whole fours up because Jim Harbaugh was self-imposed suspension. And it looked it like you would think he died if you didn't know anything else. But yeah, uh, Michigan wore Michigan against the world or something hats or shirts in pregame, which I thought is kind of corny considering that they're the ones that allegedly cheated. So, and then their OC was very emotional after the game. Once again, it kind of sounds like Jim Harbaugh died, but he actually was just like at the nearest Outback Steakhouse watching the game. But getting to the game itself, uh, I honestly thought this game was pretty boring. I mean, it was classic Big Ten football, though, and I guess that's what you love to see. But this uh, this kind of really felt like, I mean, when Penn State was down by eight, it felt like an insurmountable lead for them. And uh, Drew Alar right now is just not it at the moment. There's obviously still time for him to develop, but he looked really bad. Penn State does not have any sort of a receiving threat. They really only had one good drive pretty much the entire game, and they had kind of a garbage time touchdown there at the end. But, yeah, I mean, Michigan's really played some good defense, and they ran behind Blake Horm, Donovan Edwards, and that dominant offensive line. And J.J. McCarthy didn't even attempt to pass in the second half, only threw eight of them the whole game. So, yeah, Michigan gets the win there, and I think it's like we've thought all along it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a 11-0, 11-0 showdown in Ann Arbor in a couple weeks most likely. For sure. Um you know, I, I've said it a couple times, but I truly am – I have that date circled, um, the game, of course, Michigan-Ohio State. I've had that cir- game circled throughout the entire season, and I'm just so excited to watch that game when it finally arrives. But um, as for the game we saw this past Saturday, you know, just quintessential Big Ten football. I mean, it. this is exactly – when you think Big Ten football, like Midwest football, this is exactly what you expect, at least in my mind. Um, just that just old school, just low scoring kind of slugfest. And that is exactly what we had on Saturday. Um, you know, Colton, you did mention just a moment ago, JJ McCarthy, he didn't even attempt to pass in the entire second half. And he only threw eight. He only attempted eight the entire game. Um, he was seven of eight for 60 yards and no touchdowns, no picks, but he still had a QBR of 96.2. So not bad, I guess. But um, anyways, bad. Yeah, not bad. Not bad for only eight passes. But um, anyways, you know, this um, I, I feel like this game really just proved who Michigan, who, who Michigan is this season up to this point. You know, they've had, as we all know, that whole sign stealing, sign stealing scandal um, that we still need to touch on, by the way. But we'll, as I mentioned previously, we will do that when all the information is out. But anyways, um, they've had that whole little scandal going on and Jim Harbaugh has kind of been in and out whatnot but um either way michigan still just finds a way to just grind out a true road test um and stay undefeated on this season and so um i think that this game was just a true testament just how good this team really is um because clearly the offense wasn't i mean they put up 24 points but you know the offense wasn't necessarily firing 
um, on all cylinders by any means. Now, granted, Penn State is a is a great defense and one of the best in the conference. Um, but still, I mean, even when the offense is having a bit of a slower day, they were still able to just play that good that good of football and ultimately grind out a 24-15 win on the road. Um, as for Penn State, I agree with what you just said a moment ago. Drew Alar, he uh, that experiment has not seemed to be working at all in Happy Valley. I know that they're eight and two, and going into this game. Um, this past Saturday, they were they were ranked tenth in the CFP. So um, I mean, it, it's clearly worked to some extent, but and um, the overall future, uh, just the long run, the future uh, of Penn State. I don't think Drew Alar. Um, I'm not I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback by any means, but I'm just saying I don't think he is. Um, you know, the caliber. Um, I don't think he is that true, like superstar caliber quarterback that we see in, in other programs, if that makes sense. Um, but anyways, as I was just saying, ultimately Michigan, just great road win. Um, just no if, ands, or buts. Um, you know, they're, they're just that good. They're ranked, uh, they're ranked in the top four in the country for a reason. And they certainly proved that on Saturday. Once again with James Franklin, and we touched on it in the preview, but I mean, Franklin is definitely a great coach. And I think it's extremely impressive that he pretty much is always able to beat the teams that he's supposed to beat. And I mean, you can't really complain about 10 wins a year, but at a certain point, I mean, Penn State is paying him enough money that you got to at least beat Ohio State and Michigan when they're good, mm-hmm. like once every couple of years. I mean, he's beaten Michigan a couple of times and all those times have been really not great Michigan teams. And the only big one he's really had regular season is Ohio State yeah and that uh, one year what 2016 when they yeah. blocked the punt or I mean yeah, the, the extra goal. point yeah yeah, sorry. Was, yeah 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 the field goals yeah uh, so like I, I mean look like 10 and 2 is it's always I mean Penn State's always there it's like it's very impressive uh, sustained success but I mean you got to be one of these teams at some point you're getting paid enough money to do it absolutely um you know you bring up that game that it was even. It wasn't 2014. I don't think it was that far back. So that was 20. It was 2016 or 17. Okay. Uh, but anyways, back that game, um, you know that that kind of just set the wheels in motion for um, a, a successful run in Happy Valley uh, for Penn State, and clearly, you know, they've capitalized on it some. But I'm right there with you as well. You know, they, they they've only capitalized on it so much. If that makes sense, because. Um, as you were saying, no matter just how much money James Franklin's making, which is a lot, um, you would certainly expect by now, because uh, that game happened several years ago, and you would think by now at some point that they would, um, you know, truly be competing year in and year out for Big Ten championships. And to be fair, they they are certainly uh, they are certainly being competitive, no doubts about it. But um, they're just at the same time not on the same level. Um, as Michigan and Ohio State, and it's 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 a bit of a shame, but um, you know it is what it is. That's just college football. All right, moving on to our next game. That would be Alabama at Kentucky. Um, really good game all around for Alabama. Uh, they go into a really really tough, really pretty hostile Lexington environment, and they just flat out just got the job done. You know, Jalen Milrow in this game, I thought he looked really good. Um, he's 50 for 22 in the air for 234 yards, three touchdowns and one pick. Um, and he had a QBR of 94.5. So, um, all around really solid game for him. Um, I certainly liked what I saw. Um, just all in all, I just thought Alabama, you know, I, I, I've kind of touched on this in the past or the past few episodes. Um, 
you know, ever since that that slow start to the season for them, they've just really um, just improved immensely week after week after week. And, um, you know, I, I remember when we were uh, recording the game preview or the, uh, the, the week 11 preview, and I, I touched on this game, um, I said that I don't see this progress slowing down anytime soon. And obviously that, um, that was the case on Saturday. Alabama just continues to roll. And they are absolutely just white hot right now. Um, as for Kentucky, you know, if you if we all remember earlier in the season, it's this season started out with a ton of promise for the Wildcats and uh, quarterback Devin Leary, and clearly some things went sideways along the road because now they are sitting at six and four. Uh, so I, I don't want to necessarily say this is a completely disappointing season, but it certainly feels like the way they started to where they are now. Um, it is a bit disappointing, but at the same time, I say this, you know, they are bowl eligible and they will certainly be bowling at the end of the season. So in my eyes, um, anytime your program is playing in a, in a bowl game, that's, that's some bit of success, some bit of a successful season, but um, ultimately just, just, I, I know that as I was just saying, the expectations um, where they were probably five, six weeks ago to where they are now, it's just completely shifted. Um, but all in all, with this game, yeah, as, as I as I predicted in the Week 11 preview, Alabama just – I thought they'd roll, and they are absolutely continuing that hot streak, and they are just rolling right now. Let's go to the ACC. Louisville takes on Virginia 31-24. This game was a lot closer than I thought it would be, and – Credit to Virginia with everything that they've gone through. They've uh, they've played some pretty inspiring football this year, and while it's only really resulted in two wins, I mean they've they've scared a lot of teams. And yeah, I mean this game for Louisville really kind of turned in the second half, and they had to find themselves mounting a comeback. They had two long touchdown plays, and yeah, now they're sitting at nine and one. I uh, I want to correct myself. The last couple of episodes, I was saying that Louisville could clinch spot in the ACC title game with a win that actually was not true even though they do not play north carolina they need to either beat miami this weekend or have carolina lose in order to make the acc championship games just wanted to correct myself on that one but yeah louisville finds a way to win a win's a win is a win all right hopping back to the sec uh the next game i'll be talking talking about is the one i was at this past weekend that would be AM over mississippi state here in college station um, just no, no, no other way to describe this except just an absolute route by AM. Um, and I can tell you right now as an Aggie that this, this game felt so good to watch, if that makes sense. Um, because up to this point in the season, you know, we've, um, we've, it feels like every week we've just been in just tight shootouts, you know, some we've won and others we've lost, but to finally see AM put it together somewhat in a sense. Um, against a conference opponent, I know it was Mississippi State, who is certainly towards the bottom spectrum of the SEC this year. Um, either way, it's still a conference opponent, and it felt really, really, really good to see AM just absolutely dominate the game from start to finish and just take care of business. Um, so I would be an absolute fool if I did not highlight our third-string quarterback, Mr. Jalen Henderson, um, making, his first, making his first start as an Aggie in this game, and boy, was he spectacular. Um, you know, he didn't necessarily light it up through the air. He did have two touchdowns. Um, he did have two passing touchdowns. But the thing I mostly want to uh, make a note of is um, 
his his running presence and um his impact in the running game. He had 12, 12 carries on the ground for 60 yards and two touchdowns by himself. And that's good. That was good enough to be the leading rusher for AM in this game. So um, all in all, Jalen Henderson, bravo, man. You made a hell of a first impression here in Aggieland. Um, and it'll be really exciting to see how he will be able to close out the season, given that Max Johnson um, has three broken ribs and his status is completely up in the air. But um, yeah, so considering the whole situation that's that's gone down since this game and just everything that's going on in College Station right now, um, even though it's absolutely it's more messy than a Salisbury steak, um, you know, this was certainly one of the highlights of the weekend, if not the entire season up to this point for the Aggies, um, and it was just a lot of fun to watch. Let's look at another SEC matchup there. Mizzou smashes Tennessee, 36-27. I know we both thought Mizzou was going to win, but this is way more dominant than I thought. I mean, Missouri's defense was, was able to force three turnovers. And I, mean, I think all year we've we've kind of talked about Brady Cook and kind of Missouri's plethora of offensive weapons, particularly in the passing game. But, I mean, this was all Cody Schrader who – their star running back ran for over 200 and then had over 100 yards receiving as well. So, I mean, if you're Missouri, it's it's pretty sweet not only to be 8-2, and two, but to be a versatile team that can find many different ways to win. And even in a game where maybe Luther Burden and Theo Weiss aren't, aren't huge parts of the game or don't have huge games, you're still able to blow out a ranked opponent. Yeah, this was certainly um... – unpredictable for me as you just mentioned a moment ago oh for both of us um because if you remember our preview of course as you just mentioned we did not see this coming by any means we probably saw a missouri like win in a much closer game but to see them truly just handle business like this that that just says a lot of how good this team really is um you know i I just for a quick moment i want to give a shout out to coach eli drinkowitz in missouri because coming into this season colton if you remember there were a lot of talks of him being on a potential hot seat and clearly all those talks have been quickly just thrown out the window by just how well he has his boys playing. So a shout out to coach Eli Drinkowitz. He has done a tremendous job this season. Um, as for this game though, you know, Cody Schrader, as Colton just mentioned, was pretty much the entire offensive attack. It was just absolutely incredible to watch. Um, you know, he went for two Oh five on the ground and 116 in the air. And you know, if, if you're a fan of fantasy football, um, Man, that would have given you like close to what fifty points possibly in like a PPR league. I and mean, that's just kind of kind of random, but um, just an absolute incredible day for Cody Schrader all around. Um, yeah, no, but anyways, just um, just kind of recapping. Um, Missouri looked great. Tennessee did not look good at all. Um, you know, Joe Milton, he, you know, had a, had a pretty deep, solid day through the air. Uh, Twenty two of thirty four for two hundred sixty seven yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Um, those, those numbers certainly don't light up the stat sheet by any means, but it's also not horrendous. I mean, it's, it's not like JJ McCarthy stats against Penn state. Um, but obviously he was still only good enough to put up seven points with Tennessee. Um, yeah, just all in all, just a great win for Missouri. And, you know, it's, as I was just saying about the AM game a moment ago, it's always fun. Um, when your team is able to just truly dominate from start to finish, a conference opponent like that. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure Missouri fans are feeling really good about um, where they stand right now going in the final few weeks of the season. 
State in the SEC, UGA destroys Ole Miss 52 to 17. This was one of those games where, hey, it was 14 to 14 at the, at the end of the first quarter. You're thinking, hey, maybe we have, you know, might have ourselves a ball game here. And uh, yeah, this game was just all dogs from pretty much this, the second quarter on. They, they ran for eight yards of carry, had over 600 yards of total offense. Brock Bowers was also back, which is great to see. And Carson Beck's playing some really good football. So I think at the end of the year, it might might just be, you know, kind of the dogs repeating. They are so dominant. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, I just – it's crazy because, you know, Ole Miss, I, I don't really know how to, how to perceive them, I guess. Uh, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Um, Ole Miss this season has been a really interesting team to follow because, um, you know, they're good enough, obviously, going into this past matchup with Georgia. Um, they only had one loss in the schedule, and that was an, an early week three loss to Alabama. And they were good enough to be ranked ninth in the entire country. And, you know, you come in against Georgia and get absolutely blown out 52-17. to 17. So I can't necessarily tell if – I don't want to say Ole Miss was ranked too high or maybe a bit of a paper tiger or if Georgia was just that flat-out dominant. Um, and the side that I'm leaning towards most definitely is Georgia is just that flat out dominant. They've been, they've proven that for years and clearly this year is no exception whatsoever. You know, new quarterback, things like that doesn't matter. The dogs will still be the dogs and they will roll over anybody on any given Saturday. So um, anyways, for this game, you know, as Colton mentioned, um, Carson Beck's playing some really good football. He had another really solid Saturday. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And um, it was also really great to see Brock Bowers back in the game, um, just considering how much of a difference maker that guy is when he's on the field. Um, if you're Georgia, if you're a Georgia fan, or if you follow Georgia football, I'm sure you are just absolutely ecstatic to see your star tight end back. But all in all, just from start to finish, for the most part, Georgia just flat out dominated, and that's pretty much all I got to say about that. Moving to the Big Twelve, Texas beats TCU in a Fort Worth 29 to 26, with Quinn Ewers back at quarterback. Another one of those games where Texas gets up by 20 in the first half and then even into the third quarter and feels like there's no way that they're going to get beat. And then inevitably things kind of let up. The defense starts to crumble, particularly in zone coverage. The offense sputters and TCU finds themselves right back in the ball game. Uh, even to the point where Texas was uh, backed up, only up by three with about two minutes left, TCU had a chance to uh, – get the ball back at third and 12 and Quinn Ewers throws it up to AD Mitchell on a kind of sideline fade route. AD makes a great adjustment to the ball. The Longhorns are able to hold on. Um, undeniably probably the uh, play of the game was though on a uh, Quinn Ewers one interception uh, was returned about 40 yards until Jordan Whittington comes from behind and knocks it out and uh, the Longhorns fall on it. And that kind of was a big early momentum shift and Longhorns ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. So Definitely a pretty big play that turned the game there. But, yeah, I mean, Texas just does, doesn't really seem like they can blow a team out, and they're kind of living on the edge. So we'll see. Maybe they're just going to find a way to kind of claw their way through uh, the next two, hopefully three games. But, yeah, we'll see. Another another nail-biter the Longhorns find a way to win. Let's move to the Big Ten. Iowa beats Rutgers 22 to nothing. Uh, I know we kind of joked about this game. And I think rightfully so. In our preview, we didn't even really want to give it a preview. But uh, look, Iowa only scored 22 points, but their offense actually played really well. I mean, Deacon Hill 
had 223 yards passing, a touchdown, and a pick. They ran for 180 yards almost. I mean, it was uh, – I mean, Iowa doesn't really do this. I mean, of course, defensively, they, they completely shut Rutgers out. I mean, Rutgers had – Rutgers had, uh, like – I mean, they couldn't do anything. I, I can't pull up their total. Oh, Rutgers had 127 total yards. Like, so Iowa defense is dominant. And, yeah, so Iowa finds a way for a – 16-point offensive explosion in the fourth quarter, and they're in prime position to clinch the Big Ten West in the next couple weeks. So I I don't have much to say about this game, aside from I think it's absolutely mind-boggling that the fact that the over and under going into this game, the final line for that was 27.5, and, and that cashed. Um, I think that's absolutely crazy, but at the same time, you know, it's Iowa football, and anything like that's possible. Um, yeah, no, but as Colton was saying, Deacon Hill, he actually had a pretty dang good day considering Iowa's standard of offense, uh, 223 yards through the air, um, with one touchdown and one and one pick. So, um, considering what we've seen from, from Iowa, it's not a bad day at all. Um, but Colton, this is kind of, kind of random, not talking about the game necessarily. Um, didn't Deacon Hill actually just enter the transfer portal? That was Spencer Petrus. Was, oh, okay. It was uh, it was another Iowa quarterback. Yeah, he was their quarterback. I think t- last year, last year he was their quarterback. Yeah, I, I didn't even know he was on the roster. Yeah, so I um I didn't mean to get sidetracked like that. I'm sorry, but um I, I since we were just talking about the Hawkeyes, I remember seeing something about that earlier today. Um, so I was meaning to ask you about that, but um that's certainly a discussion for once we're finished with the games. But anyways, um. You know, as Colton was saying, Iowa, with, even with those two losses, they are certainly um, inching closer and closer to clinching the, the Big Ten West and ultimately playing for a conference championship in the following weeks. Oregon defeats USC 36-27. And, yeah, this, this kind of felt like a game where it wasn't a blowout, but it never really felt like USC was – really in the game or really even had a, had a chance to win. I mean, Oregon just plays some really good defense. They were able to kind of make Caleb Williams have somewhat of an off game. And, I mean, Bo Nix has been fantastic this year. So, yeah, Oregon is – I think I would pick Oregon over Washington right now in rematch if they played right now. But, uh, yeah, Ducks are playing some great football, and I hope we end up getting that that rematch at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, Caleb Williams, he – he didn't necessarily do Caleb Williams things on Saturday. Um, you know, the Ducks were able to limit him to 291 yards and just one touchdown through the air. Um, so, all in all, just a great win for the Ducks. And, um, you know, USC, with they came into this season, like, like uh, as uh, – I, I'm sorry, I can't even think of who I just mentioned. But anyways, like US l- – let me just start over. <laughs> um USC, they came into this season with a ton of promise, of course, feeling good with their reigning Heisman quarterback coming in. And, you know, now they sit at 7-4 and four and most likely not playing in the Pac-12 championship. So, a bit of a roller coaster season for them out west in L.A. Um, but at the same time, what Dan Lanning has been doing at Oregon this season is nothing short of incredible. Um, he's got his boys playing just dominant football at times. Um, and as Colton was just saying a moment ago, Bo Nix has been playing exceptionally well. But to be fair, he also, um, I believe, this uh, statistical-wise, he is um, – w- uh, 
like the oldest quarterback or he no not oldest he um i think he has the most i mean like he definitely most, has like the most uh starts either most yeah he is that what the stat is it's like he has like the most career collegiate starts i believe in college football history well, I mean, because he started day one at Auburn, and this is his his fifth year starting every game. I just want to point out, Bo Nix's first collegiate game ever at Auburn was against Oregon, and Oregon's quarterback at in that game was Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert's been in the NFL for like four seasons, so that's just kind of yeah, wild for me to think crazy about. Crazy crossover. Um, but anyways, as I was saying, Oregon, you know, they're playing absolutely just dominant football, and I truly would love nothing more to close out the season with a Oregon-Washington rematch. That would be a ton of fun. Signal in the Pac-12, Washington defeats Utah 35-28. to This game was this game was a was a really, really fun watch in that afternoon slot. I uh, was really impressed and surprised that Bryson Barnes in Utah was able to put up the amount of points that they did, uh, especially in the first half. Score, I mean, they had the lead at halftime, but... To Washington's credit, even though their defense has been a bit shaky, they totally kind of buckled up there in the second half. Uh, one of the crazier plays in this game that I'm sure you saw was Washington had a uh, about a 70-something yard pick six, and uh, the guy, Deshaun Jackson, did but He dropped it at like the two-yard line. Like it wasn't even close. If he dropped the ball and one of the uh, Utah guys fell on it, very next play is a safety. And, yeah, Washington was able to – Hold off the Utes, so uh, pretty impressive. You, you had a good game from Michael Penix, Dylan Johnson, and Roma Odunzi, and so hey, Washington stays undefeated, finding a way to win, and I think they have a tough game against Oregon State coming up this weekend, but uh, for now, they're still right there in a spot to make the playoffs. Let's look at a really awesome ACC matchup there. You have a big-time basketball rivalry, but now you know now in football. So UNC defeats Duke 47-45 to in overtime. Uh, this game was absolutely wild. Um, I mean, it was just points galore. Grayson Loftus fills in for Riley Leonard and throws for three touchdowns, and he, he, he plays very, very well. Drake May, Marion Hampton, Tess Walker all have big-time games for the Tar Heels and um, – yeah, kind of towards the end of the game with Carolina up by, I believe, three in a pretty critical fourth down. Gene Chizik dials up an all-out zero blitz, gets burned for a touchdown, then Carolina goes down the field. I don't know if you saw this, Will. There was a uh, there was a contested catch that looked like a pick. Like, you know, like it was one of those plays where they both kind of catch that. at the same yeah, time. Yeah. So they ended up ruling it a catch, which was, uh, which was pretty close. And then, yeah, they end up uh, – they end up going to overtime as May gets him on a drive down there to uh, to tie the game up late. And then he had a pretty awesome uh, kind of improvisational uh, play on a two-point conversion where he kind of like scrambled around and did like a little jump pass as he got popped. And yeah, Carolina survives and they keep their ACC hopes alive. They're with a big win over their rival. OU defeats West Virginia a lot to a little. Dylan Gabriel has eight touchdowns and they completely dominated them. Florida State. Uh, beats Miami 27 to 20. This game was close for a while, and there was a really questionable um, missed safety call that I really thought was uh, definitely probably a safety. But yeah, I mean, Miami, despite having next to no quarterback play, was able to stay in this game for a while. But in the end, Jordan Travis and uh, this, this Seminole team was a bit too much uh, for the Hurricanes there. 
Texas Tech defeats Kansas 16 to 13. This one was kind of unfortunate because uh, Jason Bean, who's already the JX backup quarterback, he kind of got sandwiched and rolled up on and kind of messed up his ankle. So KU found themselves down 13 0, ended up coming back and uh, tying the game. Then the Raiders were able to get down the field there and kick a field goal uh, for the win. So they stay in bull contention. Arizona defeats Colorado in a game that was a lot closer than I thought, 34-31. to 31. The Cats had to come back. Uh, Shadur Sanders had a really good game, and uh, Colorado still has no running game and no semblance of defense. Arizona's ranked and playing really well. They found a way to win on a last-second field goal. And, uh, yeah, I mean, LSU defeats Florida 52-35. to 35. Uh, We can talk about it in a little bit, but uh, I think Jaden Daniels is the best player in college football. And it's unfortunate that it's such a team award, the Heisman is, um, because even with three losses, I think, I mean, Daniels has been absolutely incredible. I mean, he had over 500 yards offense just by himself. Um, And it's like, like you watch him run when he takes off and he accelerates. I mean, these are, these are SEC caliber defensive backs, or at least they should be, but it's Florida. So you don't actually know what kind of, uh, caliber they are but i mean these are supposed to be quick athletic guys and i mean it looks like they're just like you know like running and fudge as daniels is flying flying by them and yeah big games from league neighbors and brian thomas and lsu they could finish nine and three and pretty respectable year but i think that they might look back and wish they had a really good defense because uh, or at least somewhat of an average defense because jane daniels has been absolutely incredible but uh yeah i think that'll about wrap up our uh, our games. Will you're still on fire for locks of the week? Do you wanna do you wanna break them down for us? I am, but real quick, I just want to give a. Uh, you just touched on this just a second ago. How you think Jaden Daniels is the best player in college football? Um, I'm right there with you as well, and I just want to point out um, Jaden Daniels uh, uh, in this Florida game became the um, just the second only SEC quarterback in history, I believe, to pass for 200 and rush for 200 in the same game. Um, he joined Johnny Manziel, who did that in the 2013 Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma. Um, so pretty elite stuff from Jaden Daniels. What he's been doing this entire season is nothing short of incredible and just incredibly fun to watch. Um, I just wanted to get that in right before we started our locks of the week. Um, anyways, going to the locks. He, he had 600 yards of offense by himself. Is that, uh, uh, that's unreal. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I had if I had a time machine – I'd go back right now to when we first started this and I made my preseason pick of Drake May as the Heisman because looking back, that was so ill-advised. And if I could have just like whispered in my ear back then and said, oh, uh, Jaden Daniels, I, I would have looked so much smarter now. But obviously we can't do that. Um, anyways, back to Locks of the Week, my absolute favorite segment of the show that we've ever done. Um, so my, the, my past two locks or my two locks that I had this past weekend – the um, first one I had was Tennessee at Missouri. Um, I took Missouri plus uh, plus one and a half. That absolutely cast uh, resoundingly. Um, as we saw Missouri get the win 36-7. Um, not much to say except for Missouri's run game was just absolutely popping in this game as we know. Um, and just all in all, I just I, I don't know what it was that necessarily made me choose that. I just... I just felt good about it. As soon as I saw that line, I'm like, that just kind of feels like free money. Um, next one I had, uh, Colton, I, I know I, I feel I feel like I have to apologize for you about this. Um, I took um, TCU plus 10 to cover versus Texas. Um, and that cast as well, as we know. Um, 
you know, looking back at that game, this certainly did not feel like it was going to cash by any means at halftime. And, you know, as Colton's mentioned, the Longhorns have struggled a bit in the second half of games at times this season. And clearly that was a bit of the case as well this past Saturday. And um, TCU did just enough, obviously not to win, but they certainly did just enough to cover that plus 10. So um, after this weekend, I believe um, out of these past three weeks, I am like five and one in my locks, I believe. So I'm feeling pretty good about where things stand for me right now in that department. No, you've been killing it, and uh, just another feather in your cap. I mean, you picked that Texas TCU line at plus 10 for TCU to cover, and we had done our show the night before the Longhorns announced they were going to start Quinn Ewers. So yeah, you were really, really on that one. Uh, for me, I just want to uh, open up, and I uh, want to apologize to uh, my buddy Antonio uh, if he's listening. Um he did. Uh, he did inform me that he was taking, um, you know, my locks of the week to Vegas per se, and uh, putting some money on it. And I'm very sorry for being wrong. Uh, Washington, I had minus nine and a half at Utah. They won by seven. Um, I just didn't. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really see Utah being able to put up many points against Washington and I was very wrong about that and Washington kind of stopped scoring in the second half as well so that definitely hurt me there uh the one I was way wrong about and I think we discussed how I thought the line was kind of weird was Oklahoma State was minus two and a half at UCF coming off the big win at Oklahoma UCF has not played well in conference this year um but hey Gus Malzahn John Rice Plumley, they put up a lot of points and they shut down Ollie Gordon. They forced Alan Bowman into three picks. I mean, they just demolished Oklahoma State 45-3. to And uh, it might be pretty costly for the Pokes and Big 12 championship hopes. And uh, definitely very costly for my locks of the week. So I know I've been saying this a lot, but I think I think next week is the week when we, uh, we kind of get back on the right side of things. So... Apologize to those who listen to me, although to be fair, I think we had kind of said the last couple weeks you maybe shouldn't listen to me, but this week you should because I'm going to get back on track this week. So this is kind of random, but going back to that TC or um, the Oklahoma State UCF game, did you see that video of UCF fans like storming the field? Yeah, that was, I mean, and that was, I mean, like honestly, everything about that game was awesome. Like the, I mean, besides my pick was wrong, but like those uniforms (laughs) were insane. They were so cool. Well, I'm, I'm asking um, about the field storming because since it was, uh, I believe you said it was like 45-3 is what the final score was, um, a lot of UCF people cleared out of the stadium. So they literally had like, it felt like a thousand people tops storm the field. So um, the, it was te- it technically was a field storm, but it literally it was, like a very, it was yeah. so tiny. I mean, I, there were more people in Lawrence a couple weeks ago when they stormed the field after they beat Oklahoma. Uh, then let me rephrase that. There were more people in Lawrence, Kansas, after the Jayhawks beat Oklahoma on the field. If that makes sense. That was a uh, it was it was a field drizzle, not a storm. Yeah, pretty much. It was, it was but yeah, like it was great a for like that. Yeah, great for Gus Malzahn. I think we like kind of thought like I, I might have said in the preseason that UCF's a team to watch out for to pull an upset because Gus Malzahn almost happened against Oklahoma, but uh, yeah, definitely did not think it would. Having us Oklahoma State, and if I would have predicted, I definitely wouldn't have thought they would have won by forty-two points. But yeah. that was a game I was uh, 
I was at a bar and I had to like wet my eyes to make sure I was I was seeing things correct. But that was that was pretty pretty shocking to see. But yeah, once again, uh, Will goes two and zero. I go and two. So we're gonna try and uh, flip that around this coming week. I don't know. I'm kind of happy where I am right now. Well, I mean, you should be, <laughs> but I think I'm. I really have a good feeling about this week, and I think we're we are about to get on track. That's fair. All right, so final little segment of the show, as uh, as we've done for the past few episodes, Colt and I will be wrapping up with a discussion. Um, today's topic of discussion, it was just announced earlier uh, earlier today or this morning um, that Mississippi State coach Zach Arnett has been fired. Um, so quick quick kind of side note, I uh, I just want to point out the the and Mississippi State game that I attended this past Saturday. Um, both head coaches from that game literally – a little more than 48 hours or 72 hours from the time we were doing this right now. Um, both of those head coaches in that game have been fired. So that's just kind of a really interesting side note. Um, ultimately, you know, I, I don't really necessarily know if I have much to say about this just because it is so new um, and it is so fresh. Um, so Colton, if you don't mind, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind of sucks to see because, I mean, uh, Arnett had been at Mississippi State, uh, I believe, the entirety of Leach's tenure there. Um, and I think it's always uh, can be tough to be a defensive coordinator working under a, a true air raid coach like the Pirate was. And he was a great defensive coordinator. I mean, I remember when uh, Texas was having defensive coordinator searches and, and that was kind of a name, you know, that everyone uh, was – you know, like uh, pretty interested and intrigued by. And I mean, to his credit, I mean, he walked into a pretty tough situation, obviously with, uh, you know, with Mike Leach passing away. It was just like obviously very unprecedented uh, circumstances there. And I mean, it's tough. I think that he gets the job in a uh, in a tough spot and then he kind of wants to transition away from the air raid. And I think he probably did a decent job of, keeping everything together. But, uh, you know, like typically I, I'm really not a fan of coaches being fired after a year or two, but I think it was pretty clear that he was going to be on a short leash anyways, considering the manner in which he got the job. And look, I mean, thing, things are bad in Mississippi state. They've only won what one conference game. And I mean, I think A&M should have been favored over them anyways, but I mean, you, I mean, you definitely don't want to lose 51 to 10 to, you know, to a third string quarterback at, and, and honestly, this thing was probably done before that anyways. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what uh, Mississippi State can do. I mean, a couple of names uh, I've seen thrown around are uh, SMU coach Rhett Lashley, uh, OE offensive coordinator Jeff Levy, um, even Tom Herman, which is a, that's a PR nightmare. Uh, Lance Leipold, but I don't really see that one happening. So we'll see what direction Mississippi State goes and if they want to kind of get back track on uh, more of that offensive side of the ball there. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, the coaching carousel is already kind of in a full swing and I'm sure it's only going to uh, continue going in the next couple weeks. So we'll see what the Bulldogs are able to do in the coming weeks. It's flight tracking season, Colson. Yep. Flight tracking season is always, it's always fun being on the message boards, being on, I, I forgot what the app is called, but I've had it before. Oh, it's called like Flight Radar or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's something like that. Uh, I was telling Will about how uh, a few years ago when it kind of became evident that Tom Herman was not going to 
last at Texas uh, when there were Urban Meyer rumors floating around um, on uh, one of the Longhorns message boards. I scrolled through about 50 pages of uh, trying to determine whether this Urban Meyer Fox Sports interview was taking place in like some Marriott hotel in, in Austin because one person said they thought that the curtains looked similar. And so that had me and a bunch of other frantic Longhorn fans surfing through the, uh, the hotel galleries. So yeah, we're definitely fanatics and uh, it's always coaching season is always fun. Never change college football, never change. Right. But yeah, we'll see what the Bulldogs can do with their, Annoying but passionate cowbells. Uh, I feel like annoying is just that, that that doesn't even describe just how bad they are. Because Colton, I know that. Um, have you ever been to a game where Mississippi State was on the field? Whether obviously not. I'm assuming you haven't been to Starkville, but have you been to a game where they were like the road team? No, but they're coming to Austin next year, so okay. I will. Okay, so um, I'll just give you a little heads up. The cowbells are certainly nowhere near as bad as they are um, on the road than they are at home but they are still abundantly there at times, even on the road. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. That's impressive. I respect the commitment. Yeah, it, it, it is impressive. But to be fair, when you have an artificial noisemaker as loud as a cowbell, I mean, it's kind of hard to not hear if that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we've, uh, like I mentioned, the coaching carousel is in, uh, is in full swing and we will definitely uh, not be short of things to talk about uh, in the coming weeks, not only with the end of the year, but with coaching changes, recruiting and everything uh, kind of coming up. Absolutely. Um, you, I, I guess that was, that was our last segment. Do you have a, uh, do you have anything you, you want to float out there before we close out? It's about all I've got. All right. Uh, as always, thank you very much for listening. If you made it this far, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything at all, please feel free to let us know, you know, where to reach us. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you all in the next episode where we preview um, a pretty solid Week 12. So we're very excited to hop on that one, and we will talk to you all then. Thank you all.